Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info and odds. This is G. Hey Wiley from the Arash Marakazi Show telling you find all of the latest sports developments, including this week's odds for the Masters Championship and the start to the Major League Baseball season. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports sporting wagering needs, including live betting which is dangerous, but my favorite, and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today. Learn why everyone is saying bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on popular sports and games. Bet online, guys, where the game starts. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and a beautiful Wednesday. Welcome to the Rush Morkazi Show on the Mighty Earth 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Sports Map Radio Network. I'm joined as always by producers G. Hey Wiley and Armani Buckets. And as we are every Wednesday, Kayla Kinnearum. How are you guys? You know what? I'm awesome because Kayla's here. I'm still feeling the pain from last know, night. So, or from yesterday. Yeah, so sorry guys for my absence. I threw my back out. So oh, I, no. I greatly, yeah, no, I greatly apologize. I, I could not move out. It's so it still kind of hurts, but it's not as bad as yesterday. So uh, back in studio, feeling feeling good. Probably not as good as, you know, the sun's felt, which I'm okay with. <laughs> um, but yeah, still feeling, feeling a little bit better. Well, I'm excited to be back with all you beautiful people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that you're all right, Jihei. Like you said, uh, the Phoenix Suns are not all right. Devin Booker injury, that whole series just shifted on its head. So that's going to be exciting to watch going forward. All right. Well, with that said, let's get to today's headlines brought to you by Circus Sports. Well, the Atlanta Braves beat the Dodgers 3-1 to last night and Kenley Jansen entered the ninth inning to close out the game at Dodger Stadium as a member of the Braves, and his last out was Freddie Freeman, now a member of the Dodgers. Jansen said the moment was weird as hell after the game. What were your thoughts? That was weird as hell. <laughs> Kenley Jansen is 100% right. That was weird as hell because Kenley Jansen, I, I I know a lot of Dodger fans. Listen, he was booed last night, but that made sense. He was he should be booed. He's on the Braves right now. Um, one of the all-time great closers, one of the all-time great D- Dodgers players, despite his shortcomings in the postseason, to close out a game for the Atlanta Braves, striking out Freddie Freeman, who defeated the Dodgers a year ago. Just weird. They both traded places so it was weird as hell but it was fun and by the way highlight of the game last night shout out to kendrick lamar right field pavilion hello not in the dugout club not in the suite man of the people kendrick lamar out there and again he is the uh the guy who uh you know sings uh, he is the song that i chose for the beginning because he is quintessential los angeles man of the people kendrick lamar right field pavilion last night yeah i felt like we were in the twilight zone yesterday right it was because weird of that it's it's very very <laughs> odd to, to to see kenley jensen it's not odd to see you know freddie freeman move on and move forward um, to the Dodgers to move on and move forward and move home, right? But for Kenley Jansen, it's just bizarre. I just, I never thought that I would not see him in a Dodgers uniform. So mm-hmm. it's just a very weird thing. But you're right, Arash, he should have gotten booed. 
So welcome to Dodger Stadium when you're not a Dodger. This right? is how Cardinals fans felt when they saw Albert Pujols in an Angels right? uniform for however many years. But he's back. So, you know, maybe you'll get a happy ending. At yeah. The end. I mean, listen, you have to get booed when you're the opposing closer about to shut down a team and, you know, put them I mean, but the fact that he he struck out Freddie Freeman, that was the surreal part about it. Yeah, no, that's that's the reason why I said it's like it's like the Twilight Zone, like but uniforms swapped, right? Yeah. So just just very very weird. This might be a silly question, but from your perspective, Arash, Eric Gagne or Kenley Jansen? So Gagne, his high watermark was greater. That one was a really cool moment. Cy Young award winner. I do think the legacy got tainted because of you know performance enhancing drugs. Uh, I will tell you, for a while there, there was no greater moment than when uh, when Gagne came out of that bullpen. Um, so, and by the way, he did not have the postseason success of a Kenley Jansen. You know, Kenley Jansen did pitch in the World Series. The problem is he did not have the postseason success. Kenley Jansen was the closer for this team when they went to the World Series and had all the success, but he also blew some big saves that if he had not, maybe the Dodgers have more than one World Series right now. Well, the Los Angeles Kings yes. solidified Woo! their grasp on a playoff spot with a 2-1 and one victory over the Anaheim Ducks last night, like I said they would. Um, oh, Jonathan right. Quick made 29 saves, and Adrian Kemp, Kempe made, uh, scored the first goal in the Kings' third victory in four games. Kings are closing in on the end of its three-season playoff drought. More five points cleared, uh, moving, sorry, five points clear of Vegas and Vancouver for third place in the division. Are you finally confident, guys, that the Kings are making the playoffs? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I am confident, and I am very confident that Kayla will finally see her first Kings postseason a game. Uh, because, listen, it, this this city is so great when the Kings, and you know this, G-Hate, growing up in Manhattan Beach, the home away from home from the Kings, actually the home the, the, the true home of the Kings, like where they live and sleep and breathe. Uh, this is going to be fantastic because they are going to have the stage of Los Angeles just to themselves. No Lakers, no Clippers, no Ducks. It's the beginning of the baseball season. It's the beginning of a 162-game season. So if you want to see games that really count, you're going to go to Crypto.com Arena to see our friend Kayla and the Kings. And I'm just saying, I've covered this team when they went in 2012 and they went in 2014 and they got in on like the last week of the season and no one had a ton of expectations and they went and they won the cup. And I'm not saying that that's going to happen with this team, but you never know. You never know. So Kayla, I'm very excited. I am confident. I can finally say with some confidence that the Kings will be going to the postseason. I'm right there with you, Arash. We've got the, the Blackhawks on Thursday, That's the right. Ducks on Saturday, two more the following week. But yeah, we're, what now, five games up from the Knights. Yes. Two back from the Oilers. We might even catch them. So that would be awesome. That'd be nice. Uh, that'd um, be really nice. Yeah. But like I said, yeah, back in February, we were talking about this. Yeah. Like, this would be my first playoff experience with the Kings. The fans are ready. We, like you said, we have the solo spotlight on us, which I think is awesome. Um, I'm ready to go. Let's playoffs. Here we come. Yeah, no, I, I, like you said, Arash, you know, the South, the South Bay specifically yes. um, embraces the Kings so much. So not like, you know, we need another reason to party in the South Bay, but uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait. I'm, I'm excited because um, when the Kings are in the playoffs, it is a raging party. Um, and it, I can't wait to experience it. Yeah, it's going to be incredible, especially when they win, win, like when they actually win. Well, a that is the incredible. best. I mean, that is when like all the taverns and bars and places around town really 
remember when the Kings won in 2014? Like the big banner for Justin Williams, the big yeah. banner for the Kings. They had the parade. The first place that they brought the cup when they won it in 2012. Uh, they, the North End. The North End. Well, technically, it's critters for all of you uh, real mm-hmm. South Bayans out there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is, you know, th- so at the beginning of the week or like over the weekend when they had lost, what was it, Keila? Like three or four and yeah. also the, like, you know, the Knights were winning and there was only like a it one point. Close. It got a little bit too close for comfort, but I now I can breathe. I still <laughs> want the Kings not only to win, but maybe, you know, catch a who? Is it? Uh, the Cowboys? Oilers. The yeah. Oilers. The so, Flames are already a lock. They're, exactly. they're 10 yeah. up from the Oilers. But so I'm excited. Postseason hockey coming back to Los Angeles. I think everybody's excited for that. Well, former Lakers Hall of Famer Jerry West not excited is demanding a retraction <laughs> and an apology for what he called a baseless and malicious assault on his character in the HBO series Winning Time in a letter sent Tuesday evening by his legal team to the network and producer Adam McKay. What took you so long, Jerry West? Um, anyways, West's lawyers allege that Winning Time falsely and cruelly portrays Mr. West as an out-of-control, intoxicated rageaholic, says that bears no resemblance to the real man. They ask for a retraction no later than two weeks from the receipt of the letter. Does West have a case? I think he does. Well, here's the thing, and here's why it probably took so long. So, you know, the show debuts in Jerry West looks really bad. And then maybe you're thinking, like, it's like a one-time thing. Who cares? It has become one of the central themes of the show that Jerry West is drunk, belligerent, crazy, you know, just... Like out of control. And the, the the show has become so popular that it has really ruined his reputation. You, you want to talk about a pristine reputation, the logo, one of the all-time great players, one of the all-time great uh, you know GMs, one of the all-time great people. And I, I, I've just talked to him a handful of times, a gentleman. I, I really enjoyed my time talking to him. So the problem is there's been two sex scenes with Jerry West, which I really didn't need to see. <laughs> and he is just absolutely belligerent. And I want to get your, your, your thoughts, G.A., because you like the show. And t- to be quite honest, I love the show. I can tell what's real and what's not real. The problem is this show goes to great lengths to be genuine. To, to, to really look almost like a documentary, like, you know, from the jerseys to the forum club. I mean, it looks real. So when someone, certainly when they're younger, is watching the show and you bring up the name Jerry West, no longer does that person think of the logo and one of the top 50 players of all time, one of the top 10 GMs. They think of this like drunk, belligerent guy now. Yeah, I mean, I, I get where his argument is founded and that he may possibly have a case um, just because. But he keep in consideration, he was young when this was happening, right? He was he's not the Jerry West that we know now. I'm not saying that he he is. Well, that I guess person, well, the I'm, key is he's saying that is not who he was then or at gotcha. any point in his life. So that's the important thing is like when I was the GM, I did not drink on the job. I handled myself well. Um, so he's saying. And by the way, multiple people have come out in his defense. Gary Vitti was a part of that show and quit. He said, that's not Jerry West. So that's his problem is that younger people really do not know the difference between a drama and a documentary or because 
the show really does do a good job of like picking someone that looks like Kareem, picking someone that looks like Magic. Like people are watching the show and thinking that's Jerry West. Yeah, no, it's it's a little, it's very close to home too. Like as far as accuracy is concerned, um, at least in my opinion. So I'm really hoping. It's it's unfortunate that Gary Vee didn't stay because then he could just push and be like, look, this isn't who he, he can't is. Can't push you though. No, no, no. It. I think because here's the thing: the 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 guy who wrote the book. This is not what he wrote about Jerry West. And right. week after week, he's promoting the show. And I'm like, at what point is someone going to stand up and say, like, I wrote the book. That's, that's not who much. that man is. I think at the end of the day, they are hiding behind the fact that this is a drama <laughs> series, which is fine. But it looks real. And they've done a really good job of making it look real. Yeah. Well, Rams star wide receiver Cooper Cup is the real deal. And he said Tuesday that he's not looking for, to be the highest paid wideout, despite coming off a season in which he was named Super Bowl MVP and Offensive Player of the Year. <clears throat> he signed through 2023 with salaries of $14.5 million in 2022 and a $14.25 million um, season next season. Um, this that's about half the salary that was given to Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill this offseason. Should the Rams rework Cooper Cup's contract? They should. And uh, you know, kudos to Cooper Cup for doing the right thing and not you know, making this public and demanding a trade or saying, I am the best wide receiver in the league. Look at the stats. Look at the numbers. Look at what I want. I want to be paid like these guys. And so the Rams should do the right thing at some point in time. Um, again, he actually publicly, and I, if I was his representative i would say let me handle this don't don't comment on this so he's not even asking to be paid the same as tyreek or Devante, but he's like okay you know what i've done you see the numbers at least pay me in that ballpark so the hopefully the rams don't let this thing drag out they do the right thing and um and pay that man what was that scene in Rounders? Paid that man his money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he definitely received, he definitely deserves, you know, to be paid X amount, right? Yeah. Um, probably more than Devontae Adams, more than Tyreek Hill, just because of what he has done before. But I love the humble. You I know, was just going to say, a humble, humble superstar athlete, what a novel idea. I know. So it's, it's pretty amazing, you know, that he can be... He can be the Super Bowl MVP, this offensive player of the year, and still want this. So, um, at the end of the day, too, I believe um, you know that whole entire team—they want to r run it back, as they say, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. they're going to do what it takes. They're going to Tom Brady it, take pay cuts, do what they got to do in order to get another Super Bowl. And if that's what it takes, if you know, not restructuring Cooper Cup's contract and him being like, you know what, I'm good. Like, let's just win. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's the mentality that they're all coming in right now and I hope that's the mentality they're all coming in right now I wish that was a mentality that Tyreek Hill had I was just gonna <laughs> say the Tyreek situation because like this has been such a weird offseason in terms of two of the top wide receivers of the league trading teams so they can get the contracts that they want and when you're looking at Tyreek Hill for example like you're on a championship contending team you're on a team that did win a Super Bowl you're on a team that if you were still on that team would have been favored and perhaps the, they the still are the best offense in the league so. yeah so it's like at what point do you say okay I'll take a little bit less and generally I am for the players the players should make as much as they possibly can make but I promise you Tyreek you're not gonna have as much fun with the Miami Dolphins than the Kansas City Chiefs. Will you have fun on South Beach? Yeah, but you could go there in the offseason. Right. In terms of on the field, there's no way that the Dolphins will be a more fun offense to play for than the Chiefs. It just doesn't make sense. So kudos to Cooper Cup for saying, hey, listen, there's more than just the money. I'm happy here. I like my quarterback. I like my coach. And I like the team that I'm... You know, just pay me what's fair. <laughs>
Absolutely. Well, Brandon Ingram was not fair to the Phoenix Suns. He had 37 points, 11 boards, 9 assists to lead the Pelicans over the Suns, 125 to 114 in Game 2 last night, pulling off the impressive road win to tie the series at one all and earn the fir- their first postseason victory since 2018. At what point do you think the Lakers will regret trading Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and three first-round picks for Anthony Davis. It's a good question, but let me start with this, though. This is my favorite gambling stat of all time, and I've used this for years because I covered Chris Paul when he was with the Clippers, and there was the, the man that he hates the most in the NBA is Scott Foster. And he told me, I don't know what I did to him. I don't know whether I brushed him off. I really, truly don't know. Favorite stat. Chris Paul has lost 14 straight playoff games officiated by Scott Foster. Whoa. It is is my solid gold lock of the day. When I look at who's officiating the games, if Scott Foster is calling a Chris Paul game, put your money down on the opposing team. That is a heck of a bet right there. Shouldn't that be investigated, though? It's like, come on, man. You're not supposed to be I agree. I think Scott Foster is good enough where you can't find out what he's doing. Maybe he... It's very subtle. And maybe... By the way, 14 straight playoff games. Not even 14 straight games. 14 straight playoff games. Uh, there, that is hard to prove, this guy. But, like, Chris is telling you, and his brother is even worse in terms of saying, that guy is a crook. He doesn't like Chris Paul. Whatever. So, I'm just going to lead with that because I just I was amazed. I was like, man, what a great stat. And it's, and it's basically like that back to the future, um, you know, like having the... Like encyclopedia or, or whatnot. Um, yeah, like the world almanac. Thing. The almanac, yeah. exactly. That was a word that I'm looking for. Okay, so when the Lakers made this trade, I thought at some point in time they would regret the trade only because of the package of first-round picks and Brandon Ingram. I, th- I thought Brandon was going to be one of the best players. And he was compared to KD when he first came in. I don't think he'll, he'll be KD, but he's a very good player. Um this is happening a little bit quicker than I thought. I thought this was a conversation we'd, we'd be having five years from now when like Gady's at the end of his career or not what he used to be. And Brandon Ingram's maybe one of the top five players in the league. Um, I wouldn't redo the trade only because I really, really put a lot of stock in championships. If you've won a championship, that means a ton. They won it in the bubble. They've missed the playoffs twice. So, I mean, I... Me, I'm not regretting the trade yet, but I know that, that I will, if that makes sense. So, like, right now, like, I'm fine. I'm fine with this because I don't think the Pelicans are going to make it out of the first round. So, th- they're not a team that I'm trying to say, I wish the Lakers were, a, a, you know, the a, the a 10 seed and they got bounced in the first round. That That's not what I'm trying to do. So, I don't regret it, but when you watch the young guys and you look at the first round picks that the Pelicans will be getting... I may regret it soon. I think that's when you're going to regret it yeah. is when they start cashing in those first exactly. round picks because the reason why they're in the position they're in right now is because of their first round picks. Exactly. Not not only first round picks. Herb Jones was a second round pick this year. Jose Alvarado, Trey Murphy. Those guys are contributing at a high level and I think they got like 20 more picks coming from you guys. So <laughs> that is a huge issue. And by the way, I wouldn't completely take away the ability for this team to win this series because Devin yeah, Booker no, that's right. hamstring injuries linger. The first that's thing right. that the TNT crew said after the game is that those hamstring injuries are the trickiest injuries to diagnose because you think you're fine and then you make one sudden movement and it's 10 times worse than it was 
when you first injured it. With that being said, the best player in this series is Brandon Ingram right yeah, now. Yeah. And the Pelicans, their home crowd, they have a the New Orleans Saints crowd is about to show exactly. up at the Smoothie King Center Friday and Sunday. I wouldn't be shocked if the Pelicans stunned the Suns and won this series. Wow. Yeah, no. I oh, mean, I said it from I said it from day 1. I said if Brandon Ingram is is on fire, watch out. Yeah. Because that kid uh, former Dukey, I'm going to put that out there. That's right. Um that kid can score at will. He can do whatever he wants when he's motivated. So I think that the second that you don't ever doubt Brandon Ingram, I think that's what the Lakers are really going to regret prior to those three first round picks that they gave away for um, Anthony Davis. Yeah. They're going to regret um, this Brandon Ingram trade first and foremost. The other thing is going to be the pick swaps because oh, those yeah. pick swaps could end up being like <laughs> exactly. the third pick 20, to the... Yeah, exactly. Like, well, the Minnesota Timberwolves came crashing back down to last night after losing to the Memphis Grizzlies 124-96. to 96. Ouch. Yeah. They looked like they could make some noise this postseason after being the Clippers in the play-in tournament and Memphis in Game 1. Does a blowout like that change how you guys view them? It doesn't really change how I view them because I didn't think that they were going to beat the Grizzlies. But tell me what you think, Buckets, because you were pretty high on them like after the play-in game and after Game 1. I mean, losing like that, that's pretty rough. It is rough, but it for me, it's more about Memphis. John Morant posted the Michael Jordan, I don't know if you guys saw it, on his Instagram after Game 1. I think it was uh, the, ga- the day before Game 2, he posted the Michael Jordan cigar-smoking uh, yeah. video <laughs> on his Instagram. Yes. So that was a clear sign to me that Memphis was going to come out and win this game handily. But what's going to be a sign for Minnesota is how they respond at home. At home is is going to be interesting to see, and I, I don't know what to expect. Yeah. All right. That's all the time we have for this segment. When we come back, we will be joined by uh, the inaugural Bellator Women's Flyweight World Champion when we come back on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California and the Fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Are you paying down old credit card debt? I know I am. A personal loan could be your solution, guys. Loans usually come with a fixed monthly payments, making them a simple way to help pay off your credit cards. Plus, loans usually have lower interest rates than credit cards do, and Credit Karma can help you find the best option for yourself. Uh, Credit Karma uses your credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you are getting approved for. Credit Karma will even show you your chances of approval so you can choose between loan um, loan offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free, won't affect your credit score, and could save you money. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Sports Map Radio Network. Just as a reminder, if you want to win tickets to tomorrow night's Kings game, 
your Playoff Bound Kings caller hotline 310-400-0340. Now joining us is a very special guest with a very special fight coming up a week from Saturday. L.A. Malay McFarlane. Italy, Malay McFarlane. I am so sorry I butchered your name, but um, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. And I know it's very um, early in Hawaii, but this is such a very special fight for you coming up. You grew up, born and raised in Honolulu, and you have a fight there one week from Saturday. What is the significance of coming back home for this huge fight? It's so cool. I mean, I've actually, yeah, I was born and raised here on the island of Oahu, and I'm a local girl, but I've been uh, living in San Diego. San Diego has been my home for the last 10 years. I'm an Aztec, and I just stayed up in San Diego after I graduated from SDSU. And um, But, you know, there's nothing like coming home to fight. Just the culture here, the people the food which i will get to <laughs> indulge in after my fight but yeah there's nothing like it what is it about hawaii i mean some of the well, actually my favorite fighters are from hawaii uh you know they, they love mixed martial arts talk about the history and how did you personally get involved in the sport so it's kind of interesting because we always joke that I was a private school girl. I never been in a street fight before. I never threw a punch in my entire life, but somehow I got into fighting. And it was actually in while I was in college at state that I decided to walk into this little MMA gym on my way to work. I had gained the freshman 30 <laughs> in my case. And I really just wanted to get back into shape. So I walked into this little gym and was like, hey, I used to wrestle in high school. Can I do, like, what, what do you think I could do? And they're like, why don't you try an MMA class? And fast forward three years down the road, I, I was doing it professionally as a, as a full-time career. And so, um, yeah, my story was a little different from other local Hawaiian fighters because like you said, uh, mixed martial arts is very popular in the islands. You know, it's um, there's lots of street fights, and <laughs> and not even necessarily, you know, bad bad um, street fights. It's like they do it for fun. Yeah, you know? they 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 do it just to do it, and they shake hands afterwards. It's all good. So I was again, I was a private school girl. I went to Punahou, never did any of that, but um, but it's kind of in my blood. Even though it's cliche to say it's part of our DNA as Hawaiians or warriors, and yeah, it's in my blood. I, I I wanted to do it. What will the atmosphere be like for the fight in terms of being back home? Um, so many of your friends and family, I'm sure, will be there. Uh, talk about the atmosphere because again, you know, you love to fight, but it's different than being in Connecticut, for example. What will the atmosphere be like on Saturday night? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, I mean, I love the Mohegan sun, <laughs> but my last fight, my last fight was, was out in Connecticut and it was during the pandemic. Yeah. So there was no audience. It was back in 2020. That's right. There's no audience. And man, you know, some fighters really thrive in that kind of environment. You know, so, some fighters kind of freeze up under the big lights and in front of the crowds. But I am totally not one of those fighters. I absolutely thrive in front of people 
with people cheering, even with people booing, you know, I just need that energy. And again, there is seriously nothing compares to fighting in your hometown in Hawaii. Uh, when I, with the first Bellator Hawaii in 2018, when I fought Valerie Letourneau, some people say that it was one of the most memorable nights in sports history. And these are people that have been around forever, like Mauro, yeah. you know, um, who's our commentator. He said that was one of his most memorable nights. So it, again, just that atmosphere that Hawaii provides, because again, everybody loves their fighting. They love their fighters. There's so much mana, so much aloha in that arena. Uh, it really is indescribable. And we hope to, we hope to provide that again this Saturday, April 23rd, when I step into the cage. What has this journey been like for you? You got hurt during your last fight. You had knee surgery, have not fought since then. Um, the journey to get back to this point, what has that been like? Honestly, it went really fast. Yeah. I didn't realize that it was, I think Bellator said it was 500 days since my last fight which I didn't even know because again it just it kind of feels like yesterday I was getting my nose broken you know and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and getting my forehead cut open so uh, no it's been a uh, it's been awesome honestly it, it went by really fast and you know a part of me after losing and after um, you know relinquishing the belt I kind of was unsure of what I wanted to do with fighting just because I was in a transition period of my life, not only with my knee, but, you know, with my personal life, I was thinking, okay, you know, maybe it's time to have babies. Like I was, you know, I have a family, let's, let's start it, you know, but, um, but once I started camp and preparing for this fight, I remembered how much I loved fighting and how much I missed it and I was like okay yeah yeah babies babies can hold <laughs> off for a little bit longer because um, I really do love this and so even though camp always sucks you know training hard the diet everything cutting weight it, it kind of sucks it also is the coolest thing that I'm ever going to do so <laughs> I uh, really enjoyed the journey coming back you know, speaking of the uh, journey, you've used your platform for a great cause. Your nonprofit really gives back, and I think you want to, you know, be like an example. If there's like a young girl, whether she's in Hawaii or Southern California, talk about your non uh, nonprofit. Yeah, so I created my foundation. It's called Nawahine Toa. It's kind of a tongue twister. I apologize. <laughs> um, but it, it translates to women warriors in Hawaiian. And I created this nonprofit in response to the missing and murdered indigenous women epidemic because statistically, native women and girls face the highest rates of violence out of any demographic. So I was thinking, okay, how can I help combat this statistic? Well, I'm a fighter, why don't I start teaching these girls self-defense and that kind of grew into something bigger than that when I realized that um, you know a lot of violence against women is perpetrated by somebody that they know so you know self-defense isn't always gonna work 
physical self-defense. So what else do we need to teach these girls? Oh, we need to teach them how to recognize the red flags in relationships. We need to teach them self-love, self-preservation, um, protection of sacred spaces, which includes the land and our aina. And, you know, because the it, it's directly correlated. The treatment of land is directly correlated with the treatment of women in society. And so I truly believe that women are the backbone of society and it, and it starts with being healthy, us being healthy, and then the home will be healthy, the community will be healthy, the world will be healthy. So my nonprofit, um, we are actually having our women's retreat, our annual women's retreat in June on Oahu, and it is completely filled up. It, it filled up in two days, and we are able to, we're bringing in about 20 participants from, around, from Native First Nations around the world, and six of them are actually going to be on scholarship, hmm. um, which is called the Eliminator Scholarship. So we are we are paying for everything for them to attend this retreat. And yeah, it's just been amazing. I'm actually going to announce them um, right after my fight because yeah, their their stories are so incredible. And again, it's it's so cool seeing all of these individuals from from different uh, First Nations coming together and sharing space of healing and finding their inner women warriors. So that's what my nonprofit is focused on. And um, if you want to know more information, I do have a website, eliminator.com. Just check out my Instagram. I post about it all the time. And yeah. What a wonderful foundation. I'm so glad that you are doing that to empower women and, you know, make sure that they are educated on, you know, because it's, it's hard to not be in that position or to be in that position and to and to get out. I know that a lot of people think that, you know, he beats you, just leave, you know, so it's just very difficult to be able yeah. to, um, you know, to find the signs for that and to have the strength to leave. So um, I'm so psyched that you're doing something for um, for women like that. You spoke about family um earlier and I know for me family is everything and um, as they say in Hawaii um, Ohana is everything so um, who is going to be in that crowd from your family on April 23rd I gotta know you gotta have a lot of people coming in right <laughs> oh my gosh yeah we sold out like two sections Bellator already knows to reserve <laughs> certain sections for us because we're gonna sell out the entire thing so I mean there's hundreds literally hundreds of my family coming and like you said ohana is everything like not just immediate but extended and then we have our hanai ohana which is like adopted ohana you know so like everybody's part of our family and um yeah you'll see you'll see the pineapple princess crew in full force <laughs> on saturday um i do have fight shirts as well that like everybody's gonna be wearing so yeah it there's gonna be choke that's what we say in Hawaii, choke people. Yeah, no, I, I'm so excited about that. And you mentioned food earlier too, and food is one of my, I'm like the ultimate fat kid. So like, what is going to be your favorite dish coming back home? Does it, like, do you have your family make something specific or, or do you have a restaurant that you specifically are going to be going out there on the island to go and um, eat after your fight? So yes and yes and yes, yes to everything. <laughs> um, pretty much. <laughs> My first stop uh, whenever I get off the plane is always to go get poke from Foodland. Unfortunately, I'm actually on such a strict diet right now for my weight cut that my dad has to make me, you know, my 
eggs and asparagus and everything for fight week. But right after the fight, we're going to hit up Tiki's Girl and Bar, which is a restaurant I used to work at back in high school. <laughs> nice. Um, I, yeah, I always get there. They're right in the heart of Waikiki. And so I'm going to go there for dinner. And then Sunday, though, is when we're really going to throw down. <laughs> Sunday is the family luau. It's also, I call it the Bellator luau. I, we put on, so a luau is like a big party celebration. Mm-hmm. And we always put one on after every Bellator Hawaii card for, you know, all the Bellator fighters, the staff, the operations crew, everybody, you know. And so we are throwing a major rager on <laughs> Sunday. It. It's going to be like 400 people. I'm just I'm just like throwing out the invites to everybody. We're going to have live entertainment from some of Hawaii's best artists. We're, we're be- I could probably charge admission to them. <laughs> it's okay. It's just, uh, again, it's a big celebration. And we are totally throwing down for the food. We're going to have Hawaiian food. We're going to have, um, I already have my dessert girl. She's making like a whole dessert spread, macaroons, cupcakes, cookies, like sugar is my thing. I just can't <laughs> wait to eat sugar again. But yeah, Sunday is when I throw down for the food. How you are, I mean, I've been through this before in terms of talking to fighters, cutting down weight and, and then finally getting that escape when you weigh in and you can just, you know, enjoy yourself. I mean, I don't know how you guys do it. Preview this fight for us uh, coming up on Saturday. Again, your first fight in, you know, over 500 plus days. Uh, What will this fight be like? So my opponent is Justine Kish. She is from the UFC. And honestly, she's kind of like a veteran pioneer in my eyes. Because when I first joined the gym back in 2013, she was fighting already. And I remember watching her, you know, this was before fighting was even an option for me. This was when I was just like training to lose weight and didn't even think about competing. But I was watching her from that point on. And so I, it's kind of cool. I love stepping into the cage with, with pioneers because it's almost like it comes full circle for me that, you know, women that I watched at the very very beginning infancy of my career i get to now share the cage with and justine man she is so tough i'm i'm not sure how much you know about her but I'm, if you google her there's kind of like one story that pops up that she's kind of well known for and um i i say this with the highest form of respect uh but this girl would rather herself sorry can i swear no oh, no it's okay we'll bleep you out it's we can bleep <laughs> it out i'm sorry but i love it i love it she would rather uh she would rather excrete, excrete <laughs> um, defecate yeah there you go herself rather than tapping out yeah. in one of her fights and um Again, and, and you know, I, I, I feel okay talking about it just because she has she has already joked about it. She's, you know, so it doesn't really bother her. But that's how tough she is. Like, she will not tap. And so, yeah, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a really good scrap. She likes to stand and bang. And Hawaii likes to stand and bang. So I guess we're going to stand and bang. I love it. Saturday. How do things change when you step foot within that cage? I mean, I've talked to... The other, f- f- like when when you are 
you get into a different mindset, whether you get into that zone for you, for, for, for having not been inside for a long time, what, how does your mindset change? I think, so a, a lot of times I get really nervous before my fights and especially when it was a title fight on the line. I was always very nervous. I felt a lot of pressure and now having such a long layoff, I'm just super excited. Like, I'm just ready. I'm ready to get in there. I'm ready to have some fun. And I think a lot of the pressure has been lifted. Um, you know, being the champion, being at the top and, and yeah, just like being out of the cage for so long. You just want to get back in there. So I think my mindset has changed in that sense. And then uh, you guys have like a really cool deal as well. If fans want to watch the uh, fight again, it's going to be on Showtime, Pluto TV, YouTube. There is like a pizza deal where, uh, you know, fans who are going to watch the fight at home. Um, we are so um, happy that you're back, by the way. What is your goal? I think I know what your goal is to get your championship back, but I want to hear it from you. Now that you're back, what is your goal? So my goal is to is to finish out this fight contract healthy, but obviously it would be better to have the belt around my waist when I retire. Yeah. Um, and so I think though, I think I would, after this fight, um, you know, obviously depending on the outcome, I would like one more fight before going for the belt again. Yeah. And this is again, just to like, just keep me, keep me prepared, uh, keep my knee healthy and to slowly make, increase that workload until I'm ready for, um, a five round fight. So, um, again, depending on the outcome, I would love one more fight <laughs> and I'm hoping that it's, I have my eyes very closely on, uh, a fight coming up in May between Denise Keyholtz and Kana Watanabe. Um, those are contenders. And Denise is a former title challenger. So anyway, they're the top contenders. I would like the winner, assuming I win. Yes. I would like the winner of that fight to be the next uh, contender for the belt. So that is my plan. Then hopefully fight for the belt again um, and hopefully retire <laughs> as the champion. I love it. Well, hopefully that happens. Eliminate, eliminate McFarlane. You are the best. We are very much looking forward to your fight on Saturday night. Bellator 279. Uh, welcome back to Hawaii. Welcome back home. Can't wait to see you. Mahalo, guys. Mahalo. Thank you, thank you so much. Awesome. There she goes. Uh, what an exciting time for her to be back in her home uh, town, getting to fight in front of her friends and family. And then the, 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 the night after, right, uh, Jihei, having a party, like an aloha party. I mean, I can't imagine. Hopefully she is celebrating a victory. Yeah, that sounds delicious, by the way. Yeah. For anybody that's gone to a luau, it sounds amazing. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I love pigs. So I'll eat it any <laughs> possible way that you can give it to me. I like love it. So that sounds really incredible. And especially those, if you have a sweet tooth, I don't. But like those macaroons sound awesome. Yeah. Cupcakes, macaroons. When she was talking about all the great food in Hawaii, like it just made me like, I have not been to Hawaii, obviously, since pre-pandemic. So looking forward to maybe coming. Let's take a trip. Let's let's yeah, do that. Let's should. do the show from Hawaii. Hawaii. Uh, by the way, they love all the same teams. They're big Lakers fans, Clippers, Dodgers, Rams, you name it. So it's a it's a Southern California sports uh, town because they don't have any 
professional sports teams. They have the University of Hawaii. So, uh, and Chaminade, yeah. don't forget Chaminade That's University. right, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, looking forward to uh, that fight. Bellator 279. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend, now a ghost in the dark. Hard part about it, brother got smoked by a fiend. Trying to floss on him, blind to a broken man's dream. A hard lesson, court cases keep him guessing. Plea bargain ain't an option now, so I'm stressing. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.